2: That is not the drug problem. That is, in fact, the drug policy problem. I speak tonight for the dignity of man.
0: And it's a little tough to have dignity for humanity when people don't have rights, when people don't have any kind of ability to participate in self-government. And that's one thing we love about democracy. That's what it's about is the uh, dignity of humanity. And hopes for a restoration of democracy soared the night of July 15th when the world watched, and many hoped for success, of a military coup against the dictatorial repressive government of President Erdogan of Turkey. Wait, what? Wait, wait, wait. The military restoring democracy? Doesn't that seem like a contradiction of terms? And any anyway, in what ways is Turkey important to the Middle East, to Europe, and to Americans? Could it be that it was not really a genuine coup attempt, but that it was a setup so that Erdogan, Erdogan would have an excuse to crack down even harder on forces demanding democracy? And how does all this affect the war against ISIS, the U.S. and Europe, how does it affect us? Here with us once again is our old friend, super journalist, Patrick Lawrence. Patrick, thank you so much for being with us yet again on Keeping Democracy Alive.
2: A pleasure to return, Bert. Thank you.
0: Patrick Lawrence is Salon's foreign affairs columnist. He's a longtime correspondent abroad, chiefly for the International Herald Tribune and the New Yorker, He's also an essayist, critic, and editor. His most recent book, which again I recommend, Time No Longer, Americans After the American Century, and you can follow him at The Flautist. His website is patricklawrence.us. Well again, thanks for being with us. The government of our strategic ally, Turkey, has closed more than a hundred media outlets in just recent days as part of a sweeping crackdown following the failed apparent military coup July 15th. The government has also purged tens of thousands of soldiers, police officers, journalists, teachers, and government employees. Human rights organizations have accused the government of using the failed coup as a pretext to silence any critical voices, including a lot of journalists. A three-month state of emergency has been declared, so that anyone can be held without charges for 30 days. You write that, uh, Re- I don't know if I'm going to pronounce this right, Recep Tayyip Erdogan has to be the most exotic political figure to come down the pike and who can say how long. Patrick, that calls for a more thorough explanation. Why did you say that?
2: Uh, well, Bert, uh, Erdogan is a man of... Uh more or less, countless loyalties. He swivels like a weather vane, uh, and does so with an extraordinary audacity, uh, and has done uh, since he rose to national prominence in Turkey in what two thousand two. In this case, the thought was prompted by the the reality the uh, July fifteen coup and its aftermath presents us with. Which is, uh, this man has put international relations, the American alliances, NATO, uh, Russia, and the Middle East in play, in flux, in jeopardy, at the service of his domestic political ambitions. I mean, there is an extraordinary kind of question of proportion here and I, I think your listeners should not miss it. The, the, well, what do that you mean? was my thought. He's just a, the, the, a very strange bird, this guy. And I might add, as we get going, a hard read.
0: Ah, a hard read. Interesting. How? So you talk about the uh, the, the perspective, and it, this it seems like. Erdogan is saying he is more important than any of this other stuff, which, of course, makes me think of our Republican presidential candidate right now, Uh, and maybe the party will get smart and oust him.
2: Turkey is a member of NATO. That puts him, by definition, in alliance with Western Europe, and most specifically, in this case, with the United States. The U.S. has a long—well, the Europeans have a very long history with Turkey— um meddling of various kinds, the Turks are as many other people are uh, with a greater sense of history than we possess uh very mindful of the West's sort of insouciant interventions uh over a long period of time. Oh, yeah. uh, we find this mysterious because we don't remember right <laughs> it's perfectly natural uh, in this case, we have a very important american ally going back to cold war days okay uh when uh turkey was qu- quite important in uh oh, right u.s efforts to essentially surround the soviet union it was a very key strategic player in yeah, all of yes sure that. that's why they're now nuclear weapons stored on turkish soil oh, lovely we'll perhaps revisit that topic yes But he is now accusing the Americans of having plotted and instigated this coup against him, right? That's what I mean by a hard read. You can't... It's kind of like trying to see uh, the bottom of the ocean. Water is water, and it's supposed to be clear, but none of us will ever see the bottom of the ocean, of course. Uh, So you can't read into this, and I, I... it, with, with any dead certainty as to events, okay? Uh, so so I, I caution listeners, uh, we must discriminate between what we actually know and what we think or suspect or surmise or deduce, right? These are all different things. Uh, we know a little bit. Uh, and w- oddly enough, we know we may know more looking forward than we know looking back, right? But uh, th- this is what I mean by a hard read. I see. Okay.
0: I see. And it, it, it's in a obviously a very strategic And you talk about history. I mean, you know, it used to be the Ottoman Empire, and a lot of that fight in the First World War uh, clearly goes on today as something that ISIS cares right. very much about. And then uh, during the Cuban Missile Crisis, Turkey played a crucial role as well, because uh, the U.S. had nuclear weapons aimed at uh, the old Soviet Union in Turkey. Right. So it it goes on and on and on. And most governments in the region, it seems, are religious-oriented. The the Saudis are Wahhabists, Iran, Shiite, I guess Iraq is, I mean, between between both uh, Sunni and Shiite. What has his government been like? Is it Largely secularist or religious, has it too been an Islamist state? And what about the people of that country? Yeah. Are, are they Islamist well, mostly? Or uh, Erdogan did
2: they... inherited uh, a, a very uh, almost celebrated secularist tradition, going That's back good. to Ataturk. Um It it was it was the one nation in the Middle East that was explicitly dedicated to a secularist uh, political culture in a persuasive way. I mean, others are too. The, the Syrians are. The, the, the Bathists were dedicated, were, were professed to secular ideology. Uh, but Turkey was there first... And it was rather promising in this way. That was uh, Erdogan's inheritance. I've always thought that. Well, at, at the outset, I thought this is a very curious figure because one of the, I'm, very, I'm very pleased this came up. One of the biggest questions, and maybe the biggest question, um, that we should ask as as we look at the Middle East, is how this. How the uh, Muslim world uh, that includes the Arab world and also the Iranians um, is is going to resolve the question of democracy in an Islamic context uh, Islam does not by tradition draw any severe lines between uh, the political life of a society and the religious life of a society. This this should not be so odd an idea to Westerners, given right. that the Christian world didn't either until quite recently, actually. Mm-hmm. And there are those among us, Bert, who don't draw that line now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the right wing, <laughs> yes, the indeed. Fundamentalists, justifiably uh-huh. enough.
2: Yeah. Anyway, uh... So Erdogan was kind of a curious figure uh, he was going to he was going to uh, attempt a resolution of this problem right yeah. uh, who who wouldn't want to watch how that works out sure. but uh, that's not how it has worked out he Erdogan is essentially a couple of things he is a Sunni nationalist so he is not acting so much as is as an Islamic political a political figure of Islamic per, persuasion um, so much as a Sunni uh, Islamic poli- uh, political figure that's different so then you so he takes his place in this Sunni Shia divide um, and uh, he has Found it to his political advantage. This is a very kind of practical, rather just purely, more purely tactical mm-hmm. consideration on his part. He found it to his to his political advantage to uh, to uh, ally with Islamic. Uh, forces in the country, the mosque, let's just say, in order to ca- effectively to counter the secularists, okay? Um, and he wanted to do that He, uh, in order to consolidate power. So it's just been to his advantage politically, in a very practical uh, nuts and bolts sort of way, to um, draw closer to Islamic political currents. So that's... That's what we're looking at, and uh, in I mean everything one says about Turkey is now a touch uh, uh, too simply put it's so complicated in mm. sense. but that's that's what we're looking at, and his ambition has been ever more evident, I would say, in the last four, five, six years, maybe more
1: yeah.
2: has been to establish it, remember, in the, in the land of Ataturk, and secular ideology, another Islamic nation, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I I really don't see how anyone could be particularly pleased at this, right? Uh, well, but that's been his ambition, and in my read, this coup. Yes. Well, let's set aside the coup. The aftermath of this coup, right? That's what are talking about. Is uh, I see Erdogan here this is his moment he is shooting the moon here right he this is the moment he wants to consolidate uh many years of effort uh and clean house it is the the final phase in his effort to mm. islamize turkey which i find a very kind of tragic no, uh, ambition and a tragic outcome if, if it's uh if, if indeed he succeeds
0: And Bert Cohen here, our guest today on Keeping Democracy Alive, talking about uh, (laughs) democracy crushed, maybe, maybe for a long time in Turkey. Our guest today, Patrick Lawrence, we're talking about the aftermath of the, what looks like a coup. Anyway, and how long, I should know this, how long has Erdogan been in power? I think he was elected 2002.
2: Uh. Prime minister and then president?
0: Yeah, uh, so pretty long time.
2: Yeah, and, and he wants to presidentialize the system. That's another thing. Uh, that's another component of his strategy. Uh, it's, Turkey's got a parliamentary system, okay? Uh-huh. He wants to turn it into a presidential system in order uh-huh. to centralize power.
0: Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah, I kind of, I must say, I, I, there's a lot to admire about... The parliamentary system where you have a separate—oh my goodness! Separate head of state and head of government. You, uh, here, where we mix celebrity with head of government, look what we get. Right.
2: <laughs> yeah. I have a German friend in Washington <laughs> who—he uh, edits a website called The Globalist.
0: Uh-huh.
2: Uh, He—he's uh, sort of a German mainstream German social democrat, right? uh-huh. uh, and uh, his name is Stefan stefan argues i think fairly persuasively that america is one of the reasons our political culture is stuck is because the presidential system no longer works mm. If we had a parliamentary system we would be able to proceed from our yeah. from our reigning dysfunction
0: yeah uh, yeah well We're talking about uh, the government of of Turkey here and, uh, you know, what is the aftermath? There are thousands of people under arrest right now. What what do you think is is going to happen to them? And before answering that, going back just a little bit, it seems to me within the last year, there were demonstrations in, in Turkey, in different parts of Turkey for more democracy. And then they got rather surprisingly, but rather heavy handed, Uh, crushed. What was was that about? Refresh my memory, if you would, please.
2: Uh, I think uh, the parliamentary majority uh, was at stake. There were elections. When were they? Last year, I guess. Uh, And uh, Erdogan wanted to make sure that his party, the Justice and Development Party, I think the acronym in Turkish is AKP, uh, uh was able to consolidate a majority they did okay but that was that was preface okay uh and indeed if if we take the notion of preface uh further uh what ha- what occurred last month was appears to have been many many months in the making all right there mm. were there were um numerous commentators Remarked after uh, the coup that uh, some something of the order of sixty thousand, my my figure was a, approaching seventy five thousand, uh, uh, people were either detained, mm-hmm. arrested. I'm not quite sure the difference. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, fired, or uh, uh, shorn of their licenses to practice. Fields such as teaching uh, mm-hmm. in a matter of days, it, literally in a matter of days. Uh, how did this happen? They they eventually, Zirksh, the Turkish, er, Erdogan's people eventually acknowledged that they had been compiling lists for mm-hmm. some long while. Uh, and so that was explained. But I, I think you can take the turmoil last year um, uh, as a kind of prelude.
1: Uh-huh.
2: You know, uh, mm-hmm. w- what what we're watching now was a long time in the making. Whether there's a straight line to be drawn is, again, among the unknowns. Mm-hmm. Um, but don't forget, uh, Erdogan disrupted talks with the Kurdish uh, Minority, um,
0: which is a large minority,
2: and yes, and and uh, turned four square on them. Not only those uh, active uh, in in an in an armed struggle, but also against Kurdish parliamentarians. Hmm. That was part of what happened last year, Um, and so what i'm suggesting your listeners consider is a certain uh discernible momentum right Mm. there was a lot leading up to this and it and it your your question is a good one because it it lets us conclude this did not fall out of the sky from nowhere
0: yes indeed and in doing some of the research, and, and, and you pointed out, uh, pointed me to a journalist whose name I'm sure I will screw up, Sengiz Kandar. Uh, yes. He's, he's a journalist, a very respected journalist. He concluded that it was not a totally genuine coup attempt. And that's, that's kind of what I was wondering. I,
2: yeah. This, um, uh, Bert, the ball rolls very quickly, okay? <laughs> it didn't look like one. To him or to me or to numerous others um,
0: I was hoping yes
2: <laughs> uh, yes of course, and uh, let me just say a word about the military yeah the military has been the sort of um,
0: sort of a stabilizing factor over the years hasn't it a, a,
2: a very key a very key element uh, in maintaining secularist tradition yes okay mm-hmm. uh, in consequence of Erdogan's progressive uh, campaign uh, against liberal thought uh, in in any sort of manifestation, the press, the universities, and so on. There aren't many institutions left, if any, uh, that are uh, formidable enough to counter him. The only one left is the army. Mm -hmm. And so we here in the West, uh, as you just Remarked, are stuck with the thought that uh, uh, an armed intervention uh, against an elected civilian government right. uh, may not be a bad thing. No, right, it's among it. the many paradoxes.
1: All really? right, mm-hmm.
2: but it, uh, let me go on, sure, if I may, yes. because whether it was a genuine coup or not, it just remains—it remains a very, very. Uh, it's, it's unresolvable at this point. Uh, since that column was published, um, there has been mounting uh, suspicion and in, in on the uh, in, among Turkish people assertions that this is another CIA operation, right? Huh. Uh, there is a history of Whoa. CIA activity. In Turkey, there was a very famous and uh, disruptive coup in 1980. Um, There is quite a lot of evidence, and I can't say, uh, note the phrase, there is quite a lot of evidence that the CIA was behind that, quite a lot. Um, The... Fethullah Gulen, the yes. man Erdogan and his government is now obsessed with getting back from the United States, uh, appears to have had some relationship with the CIA.
0: And okay. do tell us about Fethullah Gulen. He, I mean, as you say, Erdogan is, is clearly obsessed by it, and he's claiming that uh, it was... Gulen
2: he, was behind the coup. Yeah. Okay. Uh, gosh, I hope your listeners don't get lost in all this. It's just an absolute oh, bowl of spaghetti. But anyway, uh, uh, Gulen uh, had been an ally of Erdogan's um, in that they both shared in earlier days uh, uh, thoughts as to a, a moderate Islamic form of democracy. Okay, they broke. Um and he went into self-exile in Pennsylvania, rather, I gather, a rather pleasant estate in the Poconos. Okay. Um, now, he got his green card with the assistance of a CIA officer and a former ambassador to Turkey. Okay. And your your listeners need to know, quite a number of American ambassadors are also agency people. That's just a reality. Mm. Um, However, you know, we mustn't take one and one and get three or four. Uh, He may have very close ties to the CIA. Those may have been more in the way of personal relationships. Uh, I I, I don't think it would be responsible for us to go any further. However, uh, the Times has been uh, vigorously countering uh, assertions that Turkey is, uh, assertions that the, the U S mm. specifically the CIA once again, uh, cultivated this coup. All right. We can't dismiss it. We can't confirm it. Why would the agency, yes, uh, want to do this? What, where's the motive? Really? Um, boy, the bouncing ball keeps bouncing. Uh, uh, well, uh, erdogan erdogan as i noted at the beginning is a man of countless alliances and they crash into one another like bumper cars sometimes <laughs> right uh, uh er, erdogan is uh on the one hand inherited a client relationship
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with
2: the united states
1: sure
2: uh, turkey has been nothing uh in the since the cold war period if not an american client yes. however uh, erdogan is also uh accumulating a record as a leader a uh, conscious of turkey's status as a non-western country okay by that i mean we we need to think in terms of the so-called BRICS, uh mm-hmm. china Russia, um, you know, there, there is, there is a, an increasing kind of consciousness uh, in middle income nations, those I just named, mm-hmm. uh, that they are not of the West, that they stand uh, up, not against the West, but apart from it. They have different political traditions, they have different ambitions uh... they have different development challenges and uh... The thought the core thought is we know best how to uh... uh meet these challenges of um, course, we we need to uh, those of us who have been uh... american clients in the past should cut it out right uh... Um, there's a lot to be said for that perspective i lived in the non-west as i call it for nearly thirty years i mm. i understand mm-hmm. uh, but if, if Turkey, if Erdogan is going to begin acting uh, as a non-Western leader, a consciously non-Western leader, this is not going to be to the liking of the United States, because uh, it is an ex- it is a very, we overuse the term strategic ally, but in yeah, this yeah. case it's appropriate. Yeah. Uh, and so that would be the motivation. He's turning toward the russians and the chinese he's making uh, numerous uh, rather large deals for resources and all this kind of thing with both of those countries uh, uh and uh please note he's going to russia he's going to for talks with
1: yeah.
2: uh i believe putin but yeah. certainly High officials uh-huh. and probably to Putin uh, on August 9th. We need to watch that carefully. Oh so, uh, the, the thought here is that the agency wanted a reliable right wing guy in power, and Erdogan was turning out to be a little spongy. <laughs>
0: Little spongy. I could think of lots of other words too.
2: Yes, didn't probably, you probably didn't think of better words, Bruce? Well,
0: no, that's no, a good got one. Got
2: my point across.
0: But didn't, as I recall, within the past year or so, didn't uh, Erdogan's forces shoot down a a Russian plane that, uh, in theory, uh, violated uh, Turkish territory? Yes. what well, did. Uh, did, uh, did Russia must not, not like that so much? What no, uh,
2: Putin reacted vigorously against it okay uh, but prior just... to that ru- prior to that relations with Russia had been proceeding uh, pretty smoothly there had been a very very consequential gas pipeline deal called the uh, Turkish stream I think um, that called for a gas pipeline from Russian gas fields which are among the biggest in the world of course yes. and very important yes. for gas distribution in Europe mm-hmm. to run through Turkey now that that deal was scotched um uh last year uh, as sanctions against the Russians became the persistent sort of flavor of the moment mm. uh and, and uh, we don't know so that was that was prior relations were good mm-hmm. but a contradiction arose a big contradiction arose and I having covered the ground we already have I, I think your listeners will get this easily enough um, a big contradiction arose when Russia entered the Syrian conflict last September 30th uh-huh. when it launched its First bombing sorties, mm-hmm. okay?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, subsequent to that, there's a little chronology here. Subsequent to that, the Russians began bombing Islamic State uh, oil refining facilities and convoys uh, uh, controlled by the Islamic State. These yes. convoys were shipping oil yes. from um, ref- Syrian refineries in uh, ISIS territory into Turkey. Okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, now, it, it's pretty well established that not only Erdogan, but his son, who is yes. the uh, Minister for Energy, mm-hmm had a big interest in this trade mm-hmm. where the question for a long time was how is the islamic state selling all this oil how is it getting onto the market well it was going through turkey yes uh, and it was reaching uh it was reaching western europe the reality is if you had your car filled in uh, at, at a Paris service station, you may be driving around on Islamic State uh, fuel. Okay, uh, mm. uh, the Russians, the Americans, were leaving this alone, um, and that's just a bald reality. We weren't touching it mm-hmm. because we were allied with Erdogan, Sweet. right? Uh, mm-hmm. um, and we understood his interest. The Russians had no such compunction. Their priority, by a long way, yeah. is uh, to prevent. Uh, terrorist activity in Syria and the Islamic State spilling over into their territory. That's a real concern of the Russians.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Uh, And so when the Russians started bombing uh, oil facilities, and specifically convoys right there in the photographs on the way to Syria and to the Turkish border, a week later, the Russian jet fell out of the sky. Mm -hmm. That's what happened, Mm -hmm. okay? Uh, Now, they are now trying to patch up um, their relationship. That's what August 9th is all about.
0: That's a little uh, heavy-duty patching that needs to be done, shooting down another plane. But, you know, oil, gas, big money, big power.
2: Economic geopolitical realities. Remember, as I just said, these are two nations of the non-West.
0: Yes, absolutely.
2: Russia, Putin, is a confirmed uh, leader of a non-Western sensibility. I don't see anything wrong with it, but right. uh, th- that's just a reality. Yeah. Uh, Erdogan is drifting visibly in that direction. Ah. Uh, that's So there we go.
0: Interesting. And we have talked before about uh, the frankly, legitimate concern that that Russia is having with the uh, expansion of NATO right close to its borders when NATO explicitly promised not to do exactly what they are doing. So my question, as you were talking, you're kind of answering that about what would the CIA have in this? Well, if these areas, if Turkey might be uh, uh, drifting toward closer ties with Russia— the us of late has been very much provoking russia i mean with the, with the expansion of nato very interesting so that sort of explains what i was been questioning why would the cia get involved in this and they, you know there's because
2: <laughs> yeah because Erdogan is potentially going to betray the long standing alliance between uh-huh. you know the sort of cold warish and now yeah. neo cold warish <laughs> alliance between uh, uh, between Washington and, and Ankara.
0: Right? Oh, incredible. Um, and Ankara is the capital... So in
2: going back to our very first point, in effect, uh, Erdogan in his domestic political ambitions, and that's what that's what is at the core of oh, this, yeah. his domestic political ambitions. Of course. Has what? He has a long-standing alliance with Washington yes. on the table uh, 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 in uh, in in jeopardy. Sure. He has his relationship with NATO in jeopardy. He certainly has his relationship with the European Union in jeopardy. He remember he was supposed to be talking to the Europeans about Turkish membership. I think that's entirely off the table now. Mm. Uh, 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 and his position may shift uh, in in the confrontatory uh, relationship between Washington and Moscow. Well, that's quite a lot.
0: Yeah. it's It amazes me still, as someone who loves history and is, uh, finds the First World War an endless source of interest and fascination, how Turkey, then the Ottoman Empire, was absolutely key in this huge world battle. And once again... It is again. <laughs> it's like nothing's changed. It was just not, yeah,
2: I know. Not, it's just a an, ac, an accident of geography, I suppose.
0: Yeah, it I, does seem to be. And w- w- all right, so the United Kingdom has been traditionally close with Turkey, as well as has the U.S. And they had pushed for Turkey to become a member of the European Union. What what signals do you sense coming out of the new British government since they changed uh, prime ministers?
2: Right. Well, uh, as you say, uh, Britain Britain was the number one, the leading voice within the European Union. Uh, in support of Turkish uh, uh, Turkey's accession to membership
1: uh-huh. to become
2: the 29th ninth member, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but the Brexit vote—gosh—the things just echo out like a, like a, like the circles in a pond when you throw a yeah, rock in. Uh, the 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 Brexit vote comes into play. Britain at the moment uh, has it, it, it remains a member of the European Union, but yes. as we all know, it's 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 on the way out, at least nominally, and as. I say at least nominally, because there's some question whether that'll ever happen. Honestly, <laughs> it's another conversation. No, but not. in any in, in any event, what does the leading voice within the European Union now have to say about uh, Turkish membership? Well, it really doesn't matter, does it? I, I, I just uh, I, I think that I, I I think Britain's been kind of decommissioned on this point, if you will. Uh, he... <laughs> okay, and, and the continental members, notably the Germans and French, yeah. um, uh, are, are less keen on. Uh, they have been, by tradition, far more questioning of Turkey's qualifications. Uh-huh. Um, and since the coup, w- one of the very sensitive points when talks began um, uh, shortly after the turn of the century, uh, was the question of the death penalty. The the Europeans are not on for the death penalty. They don't. You cannot be a member of the European Union unless you renounce it. Uh Turkey did. They did? It really wants membership, or did. um, But... uh, Jeez. Since the coup and uh, Erdogan's rush to f- consolidate his position, right. they have raised the prospect of re-establishing the death penalty. That's just a. That's just. A, that's the end of all accession talks.
0: Oh, interesting.
2: Right? So he's put EU. You, we need to think this through. Okay, he has. Literally, been been willing to put EU membership in jeopardy uh, by the simple act of declaring that having his prime minister declare that they may bring back the death penalty. Now, even if you are uh, trying to take care of who knows how many. People who plotted against you. Really? I think you could probably do so well enough without the death penalty, uh, given given what's at stake in the question. Well, but but right. So, but he pushed that aside. Yeah. Well, that it, it to me that is very suggestive of what I was saying before uh, as to his. T- Drift toward a a a non-Western, an explicitly non-Western identity for Turkey.
0: Right, and what does he care about? I mean, you know, if he's going to just drift to the uh, Russian and you say non-Western power uh, group, then what does he care? And I, I got to tell you, I have wondered about those thousands, perhaps tens of thousands of people that have been rounded up, journalists, teachers, police officers, uh, military people, I, I I, don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of them uh, did uh, face uh, execution.
2: Yes, I know, I know. Eek, um,
0: that is... um,
2: I. <clears throat> we, we need to see how all this plays out, you know. But on this p- point I just made, I'd, I'd like to...
0: Sure, sure. Keep going.
2: Remind listeners of something we've taken up previously. Uh, I don't know what any, anybody listening may, may think of this question of Western and non-Western identity, okay? But that doesn't really matter. I, I think what matters here is the, the parity between the West yeah. and non-West mm-hmm. is an absolutely inevitable Feature of the twenty first century. It is going to happen, and uh, from my point of view, it should happen. Uh, um, the the inequality, and not just materially, but uh, in numerous other ways. Yeah. Uh, the 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 inequality between West and non West um, has prevailed for many centuries yeah. and i think it's a goner yeah uh and uh i i am among those who think that's a very good thing
0: yeah i i tend uh, to agree and
2: that's uh, you you know that's that's to dilate the lens out to its widest F-stop, let's say, that's how I look at what's going on in Turkey.
0: Oh, interesting. And again, it was sort of the same thing 100 years ago. And I want to remind uh, uh, listeners that a uh, fascinating book which talks about what you were just talking about, Patrick, is uh, his, his book, Time No Longer, Americans After... The American Century. Highly recommended, Published by Yale uh, Press. Uh, and again, our guest is uh, Patrick Lawrence, Salon's foreign affairs columnist. We're talking about the quandary that used to be the Ottoman Empire, is now Turkey. goes on and on and on. And what about, we talked a bit about the UK and their position, the Obama administration. They have used a base in southern Turkey to attack Syria. And, and since the coup, Obama was like, yeah, good, we recognize the... Uh, the, the government of Erdogan we don't have a problem with that they're still our buddy buddies uh, what what are Obama's options and, and what seem to be his decisions since the coup attempt
2: yeah uh, the the Obama administration as I noted in that column on your desk inherited a relationship that was flawed uh, since the Cold War days okay it, it's another one out of the it's another leaf out of the familiar book. Uh, we were uh, allied with uh, a government that was in many ways very objectionable. Uh, uh, so he didn't invent this. Uh, Obama's, Obama's error, and I don't know how much latitude he had, Obama's error was he didn't do anything about it. Uh, Mm. as I noted in the column, he just rode the same tiger. Um, Mm. and, uh, Mm. in August of 2014, I think, uh, we negotiated an agreement with Erdogan to use an air base in Southern Turkey called in Yes. uh, to launch our sorties in Syria and Iraq, that was a big step operationally because previously they had been flying from the Persian Gulf, and it just took way too long, and it uh-huh. was way too far, and so on and so forth. Right? In mm-hmm. Sirlik is right there. In Sirlik is the base that was the center of the Cold War alliance. Ah. Huh. Um, and that agreement we need to note was not neg- the 2014 agreement was not de- was was not negotiated by a diplomat nobody from the state department had anyth- appears to have had anything to say about that that was nego- negotiated by a marine general okay now i've made this point in columns soldiers are trained in operations Yes. They are not trained in diplomacy. Right. They are not trained in international relations. Maybe some of them are, but it's not what they're on. It is not, not what, they what they're yeah. in uniform to do. Right. Uh, and so we got what we wanted in, uh, in Cyrilic. We have our sorties running into Syria. Uh, but it plunged us far further into this relationship I'm, describing as very deeply flawed mm-hmm. uh, on, and, and so that's what you get when you send soldiers to uh, look, the Marine General got what the Pentagon wanted. Uh, it appears that the State Department had nothing to say about it. And that's what, you know, Obama oversaw that. Mm-hmm. Uh, however long the chain of command, he sent the Marine General to talk to uh, Erdogan. All right. Mm-hmm. now in Sirlik, has uh, 50 I think nuclear bombs
0: oh, that's nice. there
2: mm-hmm. uh, in Sirlik, appears to have been somewhat key in the operation of this coup really the head of the base the Turkish head of the base was arrested as one of the coup's leaders wow. Uh, a, a, a refueling craft uh based at, in syrlich refueled f-16s turkish F-6, turkish operated f-16s mm-hmm. d- during the coup this is part of this is wow. taken in turkey as uh, reasonably enough as evidence of american complicity Oh, goodness. But uh, the Turks, Erdogan ordered the base closed, ordered all flights grounded, meaning he said, I don't want any American planes in the air for a day or two. I have read one from one source that he did that twice. It was ordered closed a second time. So you have a, a leader of Erdogan's caliber doing these things to do with an American-occupied Airbase with nuclear bombs on it—that raises some pretty serious questions.
0: Wow! Talk about uh, plates of spaghetti getting pretty thick there, and it's—yeah, I—I state-
2: I, I almost want to apologize. To no, you it's, but it's, I, I was,
0: there's a lot I was, to it.
2: I was always dedicated to the thought that nothing is too complicated to explain, so long as the journalist uh, takes the time to yes. to make it clear.
0: And you are doing it.
2: Turkey is uh, challenges the thesis. <laughs>
0: I suppose. My goodness! But that base and the nuclear weapons, and maybe the CIA was helpful with the coup. And yet, right. we got to be good buddies with Erdogan because he's the guy in power. And we oh, yes. Geez. Now,
2: looking forward, Bert, we have uh, an American general complaining. Look, a lot of our contacts, the Times is calling them interlocutors. A lot of the people that we dealt with in the Turkish military. Are now under arrest. We don't know who to talk to anymore, right? Uh, it raises very serious operational sort of problems. Uh, mm, mm, mm. More broadly, what's going to happen now? The, the army has been destabilized, that's quite plain. Right?
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: What's going to happen with uh, the Kurdish situation? Yes. Now that Erdogan is full bore toward political consolidation in in the name of his islamization project uh what 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 is he going to do about that and how are we going to react the the kurds don't forget are the single most efficient effective force on the ground
0: against against
2: the islamic state unless the syrian army and the russians are are now doing better but the kurds Uh,
0: have been very strong in fighting isis yes indeed yes that's right and and we want to defeat isis too so what (laughs) what happens there i mean he's 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 crushing
2: the obama administration is going to leave behind a very considerable set of messes i am sorry to observe the russian relationship is a mess the middle east is a mess relations with china are a mess one degree or another of mess in each case Hmm. okay And I think among the biggest of these messes, Bert, is uh, an all-out war for control of policy between the Pentagon and the State Department. Now, he didn't invent this one either. That goes back to, uh, again, Cold War days, right? In a certain way, uh, it started uh, in 1945. In the Pacific, that's where it first began. Who controls policy in the Pacific? I served as a correspondent in uh, Asia for right. many years. Yes, it was it was perfectly evident to me that we had a security policy there, uh, a mm-hmm. military, uh, di- uh, a Pentagon-determined security policy. But we really didn't have much of a diplomatic. Huh? It, it wasn't diplomats. It was it was. Uh, It was Pentagon on people who who determined Asia policy, by and large. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. And so this goes back a very long way. But again, Obama leaves it far, far worse. As as I've said in columns that we're not talking about today, it's personified in Ashton Carter, Defense Secretary Mm -hmm. Carter's, open uh, defiance of Secretary of State Kerry's efforts to, to advance negotiated solutions in Syria, in Ukraine, and with the Chinese having to do with maritime jurisdictions, right? Mm. He's on for all of these mm. uh, carriers, uh, mm-hmm. uh, and Ashton Carter f- follows him around like a uh, like an unwanted ghost, <laughs> negating every one of these. Efforts, oh my
1: goodness! Right? And
2: uh, you know, so oh. there you go. And I, I, I think Turkey can be can be uh, understood uh, as a leaf in this file too.
0: Wow. Yeah, boy. We are talking about a very complex but very, very important pivotal situation in Turkey. The aftermath of the coup attempt or at least what appears to be a coup attempt. I mean we still don't know if it may have been set up by Erdogan himself as a, a pretext for gaining more control. But it's, it's very complicated and very, very important to us in the Western world. And uh, so y- you're, uh, frankly, a lot more knowledgeable about this region than anyone else I know. And I appreciate that, Patrick Lawrence. With tens, with tens of thousands of people now under arrest, and the pressures, or lack thereof, from Western alleged democracy, Is is there any hope for restoration Of democracy in Turkey This show of course being called Keeping democracy alive Or is that, like forget about it for a long time
2: Uh, I wouldn't I I don't even think that question is on the table So I suppose that's my answer Um, uh, I I don't see it Uh, This guy is very thoroughly in the saddle Uh, Whatever Obama's uh, Authentic Genuine thinking on this man uh, He and Uh, indeed Secretary of State Kerry, rushed to articulate their support. Why? Because of this strategic alliance that they can't let fall out of bed, okay? So there's really, and within the country, where are the forces uh, favoring any semblance of democracy? However, one may want to d- describe it uh, western style or islamic or whatever hmm. I-, I just don't see that it's there right now yeah and this is not a country that uh that one looks at and and sees any kind of near-term promise i don't like to say those things because it's- uh, because uh, I-, I have a certain native optimism. Hmm. Uh, that uh, nice you know events I. are constantly challenging, but uh, i i I don't see it. My answer is no,
0: yeah, yeah, how unfortunate, but uh, and then there's the you know Islamic question, as you say, and what do you mean by by the Islam question with regard to the power here? The
2: question I raised earlier, how is democracy going to look in the Islamic world remains a question.
0: And a lot of people the, in in Iran, sorry to interrupt, but you know it's a very, very big country. There's a lot of people who who really like democracy and they're not you know hardcore uh, Islamists in in Iran.
2: The, the only answer we have so far is Iran. Yes, this may land a little oddly with your listeners, but Iran is far, far and away the most democratic yes. nation in in Islamic civilization. And there's, yet, there's no question of that. I don't think the Iranians have a political question the way we think of these things. Uh, They have a constitutional question, right? Mm. Their constitution gives the supreme leader uh, effective veto power over how the political process proceeds. That's a constitutional question, right? I don't think anybody can argue that the Iranians... The Iranian political system is the most democratic in the region, yeah, but yeah. plainly, it's not. It's not the end of the story. Okay, mm-hmm. how this will play out elsewhere, I don't know. Uh, I
0: at least there's look, some
2: look uh, the Muslim Brotherhood
0: yeah.
2: experiment in Egypt is another example we should look at mm. uh, specifically. Because the Justice and Development Party in Turkey, Erdogan's party, was very close
1: oh, to
2: Egypt's Muslim Brotherhood.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, Erdogan, after Mohammed Morsi was elected um, in the aftermath of the Arab Spring and the yeah. deposing of Mubarak, was there with unfaltering, unqualified. Yeah. support uh-huh. for the Morsi government. Now, this may land a little peculiarly with your listeners, oh, go ahead. but there was a lot less wrong with the Muslim Brotherhood government um, in Egypt than we are led to think. Mm. I'll give you one example. Sure. Remember, the Muslim Brotherhood is dedicated to nonviolent democratic change all right mm-hmm. um, here's the here 's the example uh, that 's all been erased it 's now down as a terrorist organization mm-hmm. in my view that is complete nonsense yeah. uh, The one example is this: Morsi was accused of uh disrupting the judiciary and firing judges and so on and so forth and where's our independent judiciary and all the rest of it okay mm-hmm. well. He was disrupting the judiciary absolutely as he should have. Mm -hmm. Mubarak and before him Sadat had packed the Egyptian judiciary with corrupt judges who had no consciousness of independence whatsoever, okay? Uh, Of course he had to clean house in the the justice ministry, as he should have. Mm. This again was lost, Mm. right? Uh, And now these very same judges, I believe in, in, in numerous cases, the very same people have been restored. Well, we'll um, have to talk about that. We need to think about the Muslim Brotherhood in, in, a, in a proper way. historical context. Yeah, I did it's not about the it. beast that we uh, can read about in our newspapers or hear about from our political people.
0: Yeah, it's funny how that works. Well, we have run actually over time, but thank you once again, Patrick Lawrence. I look forward to the next conversation with you. It's always interesting. Not usually all that optimistic, but very, very <laughs> insightful. Thank <laughs> we'll you so much. We'll get to
2: the optimism, Bert. Uh, yes. uh, you're very welcome, and I'm pleased to be with you
0: again all right thanks so much and thank you for right. listening